Okay, um, we're doing slightly shorter sermons, hopefully, in, um, in August, so we're trying to stick to about 20 minutes and making it a lot more interactive, um, which means I'm going to feel like I'm back on kids' work again, which is going to be really good fun. Um, but we're going to look at a story today. Isn't that good news? It's easy to listen to a story, right? We're going to look at a story that Jesus told in the Gospels, and we're going to get kids involved acting out. We're going to get you guys involved acting out. So if you really don't want to be involved, just cross your arms and look incredibly grumpy. Um, and then hopefully any of the children who are responsible for coming to grab you will get the message. Um, if not, you may just be dragged to the front by mistake. <laughs> Felix wants to be involved. Okay. So if you want to follow along in your Bibles, I'm not actually going to read out from the Bible today. I'm going to tell the story, okay? But you can, the words will come up on the screen if you do want to follow along, okay? <laughs> Felix is excited about it again. You can just keep running past periodically. That would be great. Just adds a bit of dynamism. Um, so it's going to be in Luke 14 and verses 15 to 24. So we're going to tell a story that Jesus told. Now, Jesus was really good at telling stories, much better than I am. So just imagine Jesus is telling this rather than Dan, and you might get a better impression of what it would have been like. But what's happening is Jesus has been invited to dinner around a Pharisee's house. Now, Pharisees, I mean, this guy was a ruler of the Pharisees. So you kind of like Pharisee to the power 10. All right. So we're talking about a guy who's pretty rich. A guy who obeys the law really well, a guy who wants to follow God, um, and a guy who probably I mean, has a lot of money to invite a load of people around. So you can imagine the kind of guests you'd get at this place. Jesus probably, probably felt a little bit out of place in terms of the social standing of the, the guests that were there. But what's happening is Jesus is talking a lot about different feasts and meals and telling stories, at which point suddenly one of the guests says, Oh! Oh my goodness, everyone who gets to eat bread in the kingdom of God is going to be so blessed. They are so fortunate. At which point Jesus tells a story. And I'm going to need some helpers here. So Awin, can you come up? And Zana. So we've got the brother, brother thing going on here. Zana, you coming up? <laughs> Actors, they've got their own temperament. Okay, now, Jesus said there was once a man who's going to be Oween here, who put on a big dinner. Okay, so we can see we got a, he prepared a big dinner. We've got a table going on here. So you guys are going to need to set the table. And I tried to find party rings, but I couldn't. So jammy dodgers and whatever these are, jam and cream foxes. You guys can set the table. Yeah, put a, put a plate out for everyone. So they, Jesus said there was a, a man who made a, made a big feast, got a table ready. And so that's what they're doing now, and the, the servant can help. The servant can help. That's kind of what they're there for. <laughs> there we go. You could, maybe we can open the, uh, the jammy dodgers. No eating any, though, servant. Oh. There we go. You want to stop? You can put jammy dodgers out on the, uh, on the places. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, servants don't eat at the tables, Anna. You have to get up, you have to get up and set the table. Sorry. <laughs> maybe later. Okay, now Aween can keep doing this actually, Xana, because I've got another job for you. Okay, now when the, the, uh, the master had prepared, preparing the feast, which is going to be the feast of all feasts, as we can see, wouldn't you want to be invited to this? He sent out loads of invitations, of which we have three here. Now, Xana, there's an invitation here for the Duke of Weaseltown. If, <laughs> if you can go in that, give that to your dad, please. <laughs> go, and give, go and give that to your dad. And then you have to come back, and there's a couple of other invitations, amongst many others, obviously. Uh, we've got the Duchess of Camden. Could you give that to Laura? Just over there. Just there. 
And we finally have the Earl of Ealing. Can you go and give that to Alex? Seems like all of the, all of the upper class people are sitting on the same side of the room today. <laughs> okay, so he, he made a massive feast and he sent his servant out to invite loads of people. Now, after a while, they'd finished preparing the feast. Everything's ready, isn't it? It's all ready? Yeah, look, looks ready. <laughs> Felix definitely thinks it's ready. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I think you might have to put another jammy dodger on that plate. <laughs> There's no more. It's all right. There are foxes, jam and creams, if you can get into those. Okay, but what he did is he sent, he sent his servant back to the different people. To, to tell them, the feast is ready, guys. I sent invites out to you. You said you were coming. So I'm now going to send my servant, because in those days there weren't clocks, so you couldn't say turn up at 2 p.m. So they'd send a servant out, and the servant goes, first of all, to the Duke of Weaseltown. <laughs> and the Duke, of, the Duke of Weaseltown just comes up with an excuse and says, I've just bought a field. I need to go and see the field. Sorry, I can't make it. First excuse. Servant comes running back, saying, you won't, you won't believe what the Duke of Weaseltown has just said. He said he's just bought a field and can't come. So he goes out to the next person, the Duchess of Camden. Off you go. Up this way. <laughs> goes to the Duchess of Camden and says, the feast is ready, come along. And the Duchess of Camden says, actually, no, I've just, I've, I've just bought a load of ox and I need to go and make sure that they're ready to plough the field. So he comes back, tells the master. And finally goes off to the Earl of Ealing. Alex, over there. Obviously, these na- like, I'm elaborating a little bit more on the story than Jesus did. And he asked the Earl of Ealing and says, it's time to come. And the Earl says, I'm terribly sorry, young chap. I have just married a wife. I therefore cannot come. And so the servant comes running back to his master and says to his master, all of the guests said they couldn't make it because they had different excuses, at which point the master was very angry. <laughs> Incredibly angry. And he said, right, servant... Go out into all of the streets and the lanes of the city and I want you to grab the poor and the lame and the outcast and the blind. So we need you to go out and grab six people who, um, I don't know, I mean these guys over here look like a bit of a ragged bunch. Grab those two. Any kids who you, whom you want to grab there at the back over there? Yeah, Yo- Jonas, is, Jonas is looking like he could, he could come along. We need about six people. Okay, do you guys want to sit down? Sit around the table. Start having fun. As you do at dinners. Wait a minute, have we got one, two, three, four, five, six? Wait a minute, Zanna, you're the servant. You can't sit down yet. <laughs> Job not finished. We've still got two more seats. And he comes to tell his master. He says, I've done what you told me to do. I went into the streets and the lanes and I've invited everyone, but there's still two seats. And the master said, right, in that case, go out of the city. Go into the roads and the... Dip- <laughs> it's all right, you guys can start. It's okay, you can start eating. And go into the roads and go and grab anyone you can find. We need two more people. Go and find two more people. Anyone, anyone. My house has got space in and... I- no, no, no. The we- he is not coming. He is not coming. <laughs> Go and grab Luke behind. He specifically said he didn't want to come. (laughs) Yay! And one more, one more. Grab one more, grab one more. (laughs) Yes. And the, the master said, I want my house to be full. And I don't want any of the people that I invited and then refused to come to my dinner. Thank you very much, guys. Zano, I'm sure you can have a bit of the meal as well if they want to pass you a vox. Well done. If we can give these guys a round of applause and somehow find a way of getting them away from the table. Um, you guys, yeah, you guys can take your biscuits back home with you. <laughs>
Yeah, if you can, if you can clear the tables, that'd be great. <laughs> Hannah's like, no, I'm not going. <laughs> After party. <laughs> okay, that felt so much like being back in kids' work. That was amazing. Anyway, why did Jesus tell that parable? Okay, so Jesus is around the party. He's talking. He's, he's told a few stories about meals, actually, so far. He's told a couple of stories about the kind of people to invite to meals, about the kind of thing you should do when you're hosting a meal. And this guy suddenly says, oh, my goodness, anyone who eats bread in the kingdom of God is going to be blessed. And Jesus suddenly says, ah, there was a guy who put on a meal once. Is Jesus kind of just doing conversation filler? You know, the thing where you're thinking, I am in lack of conversation material. Oh, someone's just mentioned a feast. I have a story about a feast that I can tell. Jesus didn't tend to do that that much. When Jesus told these stories, or these parables, as they're called, he often had another aim in mind, which was to do something which I'm going to need Richard Young to help me out with, if he can come over. Now, no, no, no clapping, because Richard is a very nasty person today. Richard has seen my favourite book, which of course, as is everyone's, Mediterranean Urbanisation from 800 to 600 BC, and he has nicked it. And I am very distraught by this. And so what I could do to try and get my book back, or at least make Rich realise the error of his ways, is to come up to him and say, Rich, that is really nasty of you. I can't believe you've done that. I want my book back. At which point, because Rich is kind of hard-hearted, what happens is he ends up putting his defences up. I can't get to him. He's just going to go, nope, not giving it back. It's not happening. What I could do is end up telling him a story. I could tell him a story about well, one, of, one of the children that actually was at the, uh, was at the feast called Hannah, who you all know is a very, very cute girl. And I could tell him a story about how I, how I saw Hannah yesterday, and I saw this, this man walk up to her and grab her lollipop and run away with it. At which point, Rich is thinking, I cannot believe that anyone would ever do such a thing. And his defense starts going down. He's listening to the story. He's getting lulled in by it. And I can tell him how the guy ran off, and Hannah started crying, and Hager and Lena couldn't console her, and the shield goes down and down and down until his guard is fully lowered. And then suddenly, I can turn the whole thing around and say, do you realize what you've just done is exactly like that? At which point, Rich feels convicted. I've got through to his hard heart, and I've reversed his whole world. And depending on how repentant he is, he will give me my book back. Please. Please. Yes! (laughs) Okay, stupid illustration, but it shows... You can sit back down, thanks. And give him a round of applause. He is now a nice guy. That's what parables do. So we often think parables, cute stories, and, I mean, they they are engaging stories. But what they do is they kind of lull you into a sense of security because you're familiar with the world. Those people would have been familiar with the idea of someone inviting loads of people around to a feast. But then what you do when suddenly you're inside that story is you change the end and you completely revolutionize the way the story goes. And everyone suddenly thinks, what? They refuse to come? What? He invited the lame and the poor? And that's what Jesus is doing there. Now, why is he doing that? Now, what kind of people do you think would have come to this meal? Do you think we're talking about the low and the outcast and the poor? No. You guys can be a bit more vocal than that. No. These guys were people who were invited by the ch- a chief Pharisee. So they'd have been fairly, probably fairly well off, but more importantly, they'd have been law-abiding Jewish people. They would have, as far as they're concerned, kept, to the, kept the Jewish law as well as they could. 
And they knew their Old Testament well. If there's anything Pharisees knew, it was the Old Testament. And they knew that in the Old Testament, it spoke about a day where God would hold a feast with all of his people when finally he came back to become king over all the earth. And so this guy's hearing all of these stories about feasts, and he suddenly says, guys, that reminds me of that thing in Isaiah 25 where it talks about God laying a banquet for all nations. It's going to be amazing when we get to that day. And Jesus tells a parable Because he wants to warn that guy. He wants to warn that guy against coming up with excuses on the day where he's actually invited to come into the the kingdom of God. That he's the kind of guy who says, yes, God, I'm in. I am in. I'm following your law. I love you. And Jesus wants to warn him and says, actually, you do realize you could on that day when God says come in, you could come up with an excuse. And he tells what I've decided to call, or what a commentator decided to call, and I, was, I thought was pretty good, the parable of the excuses. I think we often read this parable, and I imagine a lot of us know it, right? Yeah, probably know the parable of the, the feast and the people who find excuses. And the way we generally tend to approach it is often to think, oh, that guy with the field, he made an idol out of that field, which, for the record, is not a good thing to do. But actually, these aren't even real excuses, It's not the guy saying, I love this field so much that I'm going to not go to this feast because I love it so much. This is the guy who basically says, I can't come to your feast because I need to clip my toenails. It's not the kind, it's it's a rubbish excuse. Okay, a little interactive game. Why is that excuse, why do you think that excuse would be so rubbish? Saying, I can't come because I've got, I've just bought a field and I need to go and see it. Why would it be so rubbish? There we go. Who, who, Who here would buy a car completely blindly and then and, and not have any idea of what they were buying and need to go and see it after they bought it. I mean, maybe people who are a little bit more kind of risky would do that, but you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't buy a field without having checked it out first. So this guy is basically just saying, ah, I just need to clip my toenails. I don't want to come. Second guy, same thing. I've just bought loads of oxen and I need to check that they're okay. Well, you've just bought them. You checked that they were okay before buying them. Okay, harder one maybe. The third one, I've just married a wife, I can't come. This is clever. This is really clever. Anyone know why this would be really clever? Any Bible boffins out there? Yes, Joe Weissman, you would know. What? Yeah? For for a year after you married. Yes, there is a law in, I think, Deuteronomy, which says if you get married, you are exempt from military duty for a whole year. And so this guy's saying, I'm going to pull out the Bible card. But actually, there's no law that says you're exempt from any duty if you get married. So this guy, again, is thinking, I'm just going to come up with a random excuse to say, I don't want to come. And so Jesus says, actually, these guys came up with rubbish excuses, at which point the master was angry and said, you know what? I want my feast to be full, so I'm going to invite the lame and the outcast, people who, do you reckon they'd be the kind of people who would be invited to feasts usually? No, they would be the people who would be rejected, which is exactly why the servant has to go and find them in the roads and the lanes of the city. They would have been rejected, despised, the lowest of the low. And the master says, because they refuse the invitation, I'm going to invite anyone I can. Now, the thing you've got to do with parables is not take every single element of it to represent an element of the character of God. God is not the kind of God who gets angry when some people say they're not coming and therefore says, oh, because of that, I'm going to invite a load of people I wouldn't have invited anyway. That's not the way God works. But what Jesus is trying to illustrate here is two things. He wants one, he wants to warn people. And actually, for those of us today who are, who are Christians, this parable should have a little bit of a sting to it. 
which is actually, let's not be the kind of Christians who, you know, when, like, they used to have the maybe option on Facebook, which they've taken, a, have they, no, they brought it back, haven't they? They took it away for a while, but basically you have an option now on Facebook, which is either joining when you're invited to an event or not coming. And basically Jesus is saying, don't be the kind of person that says, I'm coming, clicks join on Facebook, and then doesn't turn up at the party. That's what he's saying. Let's not be the kind of Christians who say, yeah, God, I'm in. And when the rubber hits the road, you say, ah, actually, no, I've got, I've got a field that I've just bought. I need to clip my toenails. My poodle needs washing. Just any excuse you can think of, which really isn't an excuse. Let's not be those kind of Christians. But on the flip side of that, you have this massive encouragement, which is exactly what we were singing about earlier. That, that song we sung just before, All By Grace and Grace Alone, who would have invited the poor and the lame and the outcast in that kind of a culture? That would have been the moment where the guests would have just made the kind of face of, you what? You invited them. And actually, who are we in? Who, who were we before we came to know Jesus? Well, we may not physically have been poor or lame or outcast, but we were definitely those who, as far as the pecking order on the law and God's standards were concerned, were the lowest of the low. We were in darkness all of our life. We never knew the day from the night. Spirit moved in us. We were, we were outcast. We were the poor. We were the lame. We were the blind, spiritually speaking. We couldn't see. We had no idea where we were going until suddenly this messenger came to us with an invitation saying, there's loads of room at my master's house. There's loads of room around the table. Do you want to come and join? And that's where we come from. And if the, the day we forget that is the day we start turning into the people who come up with rubbish excuses. The day we forget that actually we were the people who would not have naturally been invited to a heavenly party because we could not earn it. The day we forget that actually the servant who goes out into the roads quite literally was the man who was God who became human and went to the lowest of the low to invite us. The day we forget that is when we end up becoming those who actually this parable warns against. And so let's not be those who actually forget where we've come from. Let's be those who remember where we've been invited from. And for those of you today, actually, who are here, and you're thinking, I, I, don't, I don't know if I believe this old God thing. I don't know if I'm a Christian or not. I, you, I might not call myself a Christian, or you might be, find yourself on a bit of a journey. Can I just say, there's, there's loads of room at the table. There's loads and loads of room in God's house. And just like the master said, I want my house to be full. That is God's desire. God's desire is that all nations, all people groups would come and dine with him, so to speak, on that day. So that when he comes and returns and restores all creation, that there would be people from every tribe and tongue and language sitting at a massive table with him, having an incredible time. And I love the fact that more and more our church is becoming massively diverse in terms of backgrounds. I think that just, it's kind of a... a parable of the feast illustrated in the church at the moment but let's be those who remember our background let's be those who remember where we've come from and actually let's be those now as we take communion it's kind of a very vivid illustration almost actually of coming together being those who say actually we used to be lame we used to be poor we used to be blind we used to be outcasts spiritually speaking and now we've been brought into the family of god we come and we gather at the same table it's what paul says you come and you gather at one table you eat you partake of one loaf you drink of one cup and you proclaim the Lord's death until he arrives. So as we take communion in a minute, let's be those who remember that's where we came from. Let's make it, let's make it a time of celebration. I doubt the feast in the kingdom of God is a time, is a British feast where you're all sitting around the table and making polite conversation with 
I don't know, Earl of Ealing kind of accents, whatever he was sounded like. It's a, t- it's a time of rejoicing. It's a time of getting to know each other, of having fun. Let's be those who are reverent for communion, but let's be those who actually rejoice at the same time.